We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 26. It's page 832 in your pew Bible. It's the same narrative that we read to open the service of Christ and his agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. Matthew 26, starting in verse 36. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and he prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. He began to be sorrowful and troubled. We come to a portion in Scripture which leads us to nothing but somber awe. There are no words for this grief. But here we get the privilege to get a picture of an intimate portrait of the agony of Christ on the night he was betrayed. Charles Spurgeon wrote, No man can rightly expound such a passage as this. It is a subject for prayerful, heartbroken meditation more than for human language. And that's my aim with this text, not to dissect it, not to parse it all out and have some application, but rather to sit in it. To sit and observe the agony and the anguish of Christ. Jesus has washed the disciples' feet. He's instituted the Lord's Supper. He's eaten with them. He knows the betrayal is coming. He's taught his disciples and given them a new command to love one another. He's assured them of the coming of the Holy Spirit, the great comforter. He's assured them of persecution to come. He's assured them that they will have trouble in this world, but take heart, he has overcome the world. Yet after all these things, we see the darkness closing in, the darkness haunting him. It is inescapable, this heavy cloud, this darkness will not pass from our Savior. And he goes into that darkness alone. He tells most of his disciples to stay behind when they get to the Mount of Olives. And they enter into the Garden of Gethsemane where the olives were pressed and extracted for olive oil. And he brings his three closest, Peter, James, and John, his best friends, his closest inner circle. And he says, watch with me. He doesn't even ask him to pray with him. He just says, watch I need you to be with me. I want you to stay awake with me. Please be near to me. 
But at the same time, Jesus knows that he must do this alone. So he goes farther from them to isolate himself. He is sorrowful and troubled. Mark says he was greatly distressed. And that's a, he's shaken, he's surprised. There's an intense emotional state because of something. He is utterly astonished. We might say that he's rattled or shaken up. Jesus is trembling. He's gripped with sorrow and trouble. The second person of the Trinity, shaking and trembling alone in the darkness of the garden. Luke notes that he was gripped or seized with anguish. And so he pleads with his friends, stay awake with me. And he moves forward because he must do this alone. And there when he moves forward alone, what does he do? He falls on his face. All throughout the gospel you see Jesus and people run up to him and they fall on his face. They're begging him for something. They're thanking him for something. They're worshiping him. They're praising him. They're crying out to him. And now we see Jesus on his face face the only time in scripture that we see Jesus on his face John Calvin said Christ by throwing himself on the ground placed himself in a pitiable attitude on account of the vehemence of his grief he falls on his face and he pleads with his father a prayer of grief and a prayer of trust. In Luke, we see the prayer expounded upon. In John, we see the high priestly prayer, as it's called. But here, we just get a, a snapshot. And Jesus prays three times. And all through it, he's totally submissive to the Father's will. Jesus' two distinct natures in one person. And here we see the humanity of Jesus on full display. He is fully human. And he says, if there's another way, let this cup pass. If there's another way, let this cup pass. He grieved for me. He who had no cause of grief in himself. And laying aside the delights of the eternal Godhead... He experiences the affliction of my weakness, says one church father. He who had no cause of grief in himself grieves for me. And he experiences the affliction of my weakness. He experiences disappointment, let down in isolation. And he's cast out away from his disciples and he goes back and they're asleep he can't depend on them they continue to fall asleep they continue to be feeble they continue to miss the distress of the savior and the sorrow and the trembling and the trouble continues the sorrow the trembling the troubling those are all verbs that are reactionary something is happening to our savior something is being put in front of him that is causing this and what is that but the cup 
the cup that he must drink. It is his mission. And it is the mission that the triune God had to redeem his people. And it is Christ's only to bear. Only he can do it because he's the only spotless, innocent, blameless, righteous, perfect, holy, majestic, altogether lovely one. And he's got to take it. He has to. Not as I will, but as you will. The cup is hauntingly laid out throughout the Old Testament. Isaiah 51 gives a a snapshot of it. Lord says, wake yourself, wake yourself, stand up, O Jerusalem, you who have drunk from the hand of the Lord the cup of his wrath, who have drunk to the dregs the bowl, the cup of staggering. There is no one to guide her. Among all the sons she has borne, there is none to take her by the hand. Among all the sons she has brought up. Do you hear that? Dying alone in isolation. No one to take the hand and comfort you. It continues. These two things have happened to you. Who will console you? Devastation and destruction. Famine and sword. Who will comfort you? Devastation, destruction, famine, sword, death, agony, emptiness, no peace, no security, no help. Destroyed and alone, ruined. This is the cup held out for Christ. Forsaken not just by his disciples, he feels not just the weight of the punishment but he will take our sin upon him. He will become our sin. He will become something so horrendous, mutilated, ugly, hideous, and repulsive. And this is what he sees, and this is what he agonizes over. But he must have it. He must have all of our sin placed upon him, every click of pornography, every shameful act, every malicious word, every ounce of injustice, every act of cowardice, every motive and moment of hatred, every single thing that his sheep have ever done is going to be taken on by him. And the furious wrath of God and the justice of God will be executed on his beloved son. Calvin poetically puts it when he saw the wrath of God exhibited to him as he stood at the tribunal of God charged with the sins of the whole world he unavoidably shrunk back with horror from the deep abyss of death he was sorrowful and greatly troubled in great distress gripped with anxiety For it's not only that his friends will desert him, not only the betrayal of a friend, not only the feebleness of his friends who can't stay awake with him and will deny him. It's not just the flogging, the beard pulling, the spitting, the lashes, or even the crucifixion himself, but the thing that horrifies him the most is when he will cry out on that cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you turned your face away from me? 
and there will be no answer because he will pay for it. He will pay for our sin and there will be no answer that day. The isolated sorrow and the unique anxiety of a pain that we don't understand. But praise be to God that those who are in Christ will never understand it and never experience it. You see, this is the cup that Jesus drinks. And tonight, if you're in Christ, you get to drink a different cup. His disciples got to drink a different cup. It was the cup of the new covenant which means that your sins are forgiven your heart is made clean you're new in me and that's the cup that Jesus is going to give to his disciples and he will get the cup of wrath let us pray together Father there is a agony and an anguish that we cannot fathom So we sit, we see the horror of the cup, but we don't know what it's like. And all we can say is, Christ, thank you. All we can say is, Christ, thank you. Nourish us, Father, and turn your face towards us. You will never leave us nor forsake us because you left and forsook your son. And now we are called children of God. In Christ's name, amen.